International Short Stories, Volume 1, American Stories, edited by William Patton, Section 25. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. International Short Stories, Volume 1, American Stories, edited by William Patton, Section 25. These All Loons or Witches Madmen by W. Gilmore Sims. Part 2. Chapter 1. Chewing such bitter cud as this, I had probably ridden a good mile, when suddenly I heard the sound of human voices, and, looking up, discovered three men mounted and just in front of me. They had hauled up and were seemingly awaiting my approach. A buzzing conversation was going on between them. That's he, said one. Sure, was the question of another. A whistle at my very side caused me to turn my head, and, as I did so, my horse was caught by the bridle, and I received a severe blow from a club above my ears, which brought me down almost unconscious upon the ground. In an instant, two stout fellows were upon me and busy in the praiseworthy toil of roping me, hands and feet, where I lay. Hurt, stung, and utterly confounded by the surprise, I was not prepared to suffer this indignity with patience. I made manful struggle, and for a moment succeeded in shaking off both assailants. But another blow, taking effect upon my temples, and dealt with no moderate appliance of hickory, left me insensible. When I recovered consciousness, I found myself in a cart, my hands tied behind me, my head bandaged with a red cotton handkerchief, and my breast and arms covered with blood. A stout fellow rode beside me in the cart, while another drove, and on each side of the vehicle trotted a man, well armed, with a double-barreled gun. "'What does all this mean?' I demanded. "'Why am I here? Why the assault? What do you mean to do with me?' Don't be obstropopulous, said one of the men. We don't mean to hurt you, only put you safe. We had to tap you on the head a little, for your own good. Indeed, I exclaimed, the feeling of that unhappy tapping upon the head making me only the sorer at every moment. But will you tell me what this is for, and in what respect did my good require that my head should be broken? It might have been worse for you, where you was unbeknown, replied the spokesman. But we knowed your situation, and served you off easily. Be quiet now, and What do you mean? What is my situation? Well, I reckon we know. Only you be quiet, or we'll have to give you the scale. And he led aloft a huge wagon whip as he spoke. I had sufficient proof already of the unscrupulousness with which my companions acted, 
not to be very chary of giving them farther provocation, and, in silent misgiving, I turned my head to the opposite side of the vehicle. The first glance in this quarter revealed to me the true history of my disaster, and furnished an ample solution of the whole mystery. Who should I behold but the very fellow whom I had chased into town the day before? The truth was now apparent. I had been captured at the stray bedlamite from Hamilton jail. It was because of this that I had been tapped on the head, only for my own good. As the conjecture flashed upon me, I could not avoid laughter, particularly as I beheld the still doubtful and apprehensive visage of the man beside me. My laughter had a very annoying effect upon all parties. It was more fearful sign than my anger might have been. The fellow whom I had scared, edged a little farther from the cart, and the man who had played spokesman, and upon whom the whole business seemed to have devolved, now shook his whip again. "'None of that, my lad,' said he, "'or I'll have to bruise you again. Don't be obstropopulous. "'You've taken me for a madman, have you?' said I. "'Well, I reckon you ought to know what you are. There's no dispute in it.' and this silly fellow has made you believe it reckon you've made a great mistake don't think it but you have only take me to see and i'll prove it by general cock himself or squire humphreys or anybody in the town no no my friend that cock won't fight we ain't misdoubting at all but you are the right man you answer all the description and jake sturgis here has made his affidavit that you chased him neck and neck as mad as any blind puppy in a dry september for an hour by sun yesterday we don't want no more proof and why do you mean to carry me i inquired with all the coolness i was master of well we'll put you up in a pen we've got a small piece from here and when the sheriff comes He'll take you back to your old quarters at Hamilton jail, where I reckon they'll fix you a little tighter than they had you before. We've sent after the sheriff, and he suppose you can't take us, and I reckon they'll be here about sundown. Chapter 5 Here was a situation, indeed, burning with indignation. I was yet sufficiently master of myself, to see that any ebullition of rage on my part would only confirm the impression which they had received of my insanity. I said little, therefore, and that little was confined to an attempt to explain the chase of yesterday, which Jake Sturgis had made the subject of such a mischievous affidavit. But, as I could not do this without laughter, I incurred the danger of the whip, my laugh was ominous. Jack edged off once more to the roadside. The man beside me got his bludgeon in readiness, and the potent wagon whip of the leader of the party was uplifted in threatening significance. Laughter was clearly out of the question, and it naturally ceased on my part as I got in sight of the pen in which I was to be kept secure. 
this structure is one well known to the less civilized regions of the country it is a common place of safe-keeping in the absence of jail and proper offices it is called technically a bullpen and consists of huge logs roughly put together crossing at right angles forming a hollow square the logs too massy to be removed and the structure too high to be climbed particularly if the prisoner should happen to be like myself fairly tied up hand and foot together i reluctant terribly at being put in the, to this place i pleaded urgently struggled fiercely and was thrust in neck and heels without remorse and in sheer hopelessness and vexation i lay with my face prone to the earth and half buried among the leaves weeping i shame to confess it the bitter tears of impotence and mortification meantime the news of my capture went through the country not my capture mark me but that of the famous madman archie dorgan who had broke hamilton jail this was an event and visitors began to collect my captors who kept watch on the outside of my den had their hands full in answering questions man woman and child squire and ploughboy and finally dams and damsels accumulated around me and such a throng of eyes as pierced the crevices of my log dungeon to see the strange monster by whom they were threatened now disarmed of his terrors were to use the language of one of my keepers a power to calculate this was not the smallest part of my annoyance the logs were sufficiently far apart to suffer me to see and to be seen and i crouched closer to my rushes and buried my face more thoroughly than ever if possible to screen my dishonored visage from their curious scrutiny this conduct mightily offended some of the visitors i can't see his face said one stir him with a long pole and i was greatly in danger of being treated as a surly bear refusing to dance for his keeper since one of mine seemed very much disposed to gratify the spectator and had actually begun sharpening the end of a ten-foot hickory for the purpose of pricking me into more sociableness he was prevented from carrying his generous design into effect by the suggestion of one of his companions better don't posh if ever he should get out again it put his ear mark upon you reckon you right was the reply of the other as he led his rod out of sight meanwhile the people came and went each departing visitor sending others a couple of hours might have elapsed leaving me in this humiliating situation chained to the stake the beast of a bear garden with fifty greedy and still dissatisfied eyes upon me of these fully one-fourth were of the tender gender some pitied me some laughed and all congratulated themselves that i was safely led by the heels incapable of further mischief 
it was not the most agreeable part of their remarks to find that they all universally agreed that i was a most frightful looking object whether they saw my face or not they all discovered that i glared frightfully upon them and i heard one or two of them asking undertones did you see his teeth how sharp i gnashed them with a vengeance all the while you may be sure chapter six the last and worst humiliation was yet to come that which put me for a long season out of humour with all human and woman nature conscious of an unusual degree of bustle without i was suddenly startled by sounds of a voice that had been once pleasantly familiar it was that of a female a clear soft transparent sound which till this moment had never been associated in my thoughts with with anything but the most perfect of all mortal melodies it was now jangle harsh like sweet bells out of tune the voice was that of emmeline good heavens i explained to myself can she be here in another instant i heard that of susanna the meek susanna she too was among the curious to examine the feature of the bedlamite archie doggen dear me said emmeline is he in that place what a horrid place said susanna it's the very place for such a horrid creature responded emmeline can he get out papa said susanna isn't a mad person very strong oh don't frighten a body susanna before you have had a peep cried emmeline i declare i'm afraid to look do colonel nelson peep first and see if there's no danger and there was the confounded colonel nelson addressing his eyes to my person and assuring his fair companion my emmeline my susanna that there was no sort of danger that i was evidently in one of my fits of apathy the paroxysm is off for the moment ladies and even if he were violent it is impossible that he should break through the pen he seems quite harmless you may look with safety yes he is mighty quiet now miss said one of my keepers encouragingly but it's all owing to the close sight of my whip he was again to be obstropopulous more than once when i shook it over him he's used to it i reckon you can always tell when the roaring fit is coming on for he breaks out in such a dreadful sort of laughing ha ha he loves does he ha ha such was the somewhat wild interruption offered by colonel nelson himself if my loss produced such an effect upon my keeper his had a very disquieting effect upon me but the instinctive conviction that emmeline and susanna were now gazing upon me prompted me with a sort of fascination to lift my head and look for them i saw their eyes quite distinctly bright treacheries i could distinguish between them and there were those of colonel nelson beside them the three persons evidently in close propinquity 
what a dreadful-looking creature said susanna dreadful said emmeline i see nothing so dreadful in him he seems tame enough i'm sure if that's a madman i don't see why people should be afraid of him poor man how bloody he is said susanna we had to tap him miss a little upon the head to bring him quiet he's tame and innocent now but you should see him when he's going to break out only just hear him when he laughs i could not resist the temptation the last remark of my keeper fell on my ears like a suggestion and suddenly shooting up my head and glaring fiercely at the spectators i gave them a yell of laughter as terrible as i could possibly make it ah was the shriek of susanna and she dashed back from the logs before the sounds had well ceased they were echoed from without and in a more fearful and natural style from the practised lungs of colonel nelson his yells following mine were enough to startle even me what he cried thrusting his fingers through the crevice you would come out would you you would try your strength with mine let him out let him out i'm ready for him breast to breast man against man tooth and nail forever and forever you can laugh too but ah what do you say to that shut up shut up and be ashamed of yourself ah there was a sensation without i could see that emmeline recoiled from the side of her companion he had thrown himself into an attitude had grappled the logs of my dungeon and exhibited a degree of strange emotion which to say the least took everybody by surprise my chief custodian was the first to speak don't be scared mister there's no danger he can't get out but i say let him out let him out look at him ladies look at him you shall see what a madman is you shall see how i can manage him Archie fellow out with him at once give me a whip i know all about this treatment you shall see me work him i'll manage him i'll fight with him, him and laugh with him too how we shall laugh ha 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 his horrible laughter for it was horrible was cut short by an unexpected incident he was knocked down as suddenly as i had been with a blow from behind to the astonishment of all around the assailant was the sheriff of hamilton jail who had just arrived and detected the fugitive archie doggan the most cunning of all bedlamites as he afterwards assured me in the person of the handsome colonel nelson i knew the scamp by his loss i heard it half a mile said the sheriff as he planted himself upon the bosom of the prostrate man and proceeded to leash him in proper order here was a concatenation accordingly who have i got in the pen was the sapient inquiry of my captor the fellow whose whip had been so potent over my imagination who have you anybody there demanded the sheriff i reckon we caught your chap that jake made affidavy was the madman let him out then 
and beg the man's pardon. I'd answer for Archie Dargan. My appearance before the astonished damsels was gratifying to neither of us. I was covered with mud and blood, and then with confusion. Oh, mister, how could we think it was you? Such a fright as they've made you. Such was Emmeline's speech after her recovery. Susanna's was quite as characteristic. I am so very sorry, mister. Spare your regrets, ladies, I muttered ungraciously as I leapt on my horse. I wish you a very pleasant morning. Ha, 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 yelled the bedlamite, writhing and bounding in his leash. A very pleasant morning. The damsels took to their heels and went off in one direction quite as fast as I did in the other. Since that day, dear reader, I have never suffered myself to scare a fool, or to fall in love with a pair of twins, and, if ever I marry, take my word for it, the happy woman shall neither be a Susanna or an Emmeline. End of section 25